Mad Beef is kept going and growing by generous support from Skater HQ. Bill and the team have been heavily involved in the inline skating community since 1991 and continue to support competitions, skaters, and now a podcast. You can visit Skater HQ at one of their Sydney shops or shop online at skaterhq.com.au. Also, big thanks to our Patreon supporters. It really means a lot. If you want to become a patron of the podcast, find us on Patreon and pledge a monthly contribution. Even just $2 a month would be a huge encouragement. Hey, and welcome to Mad Beef, the Australian rollerblading podcast. I'm Mikey Lynch, and in this episode, I interview Chris Puller, a skater for Bayside Blades. We talk about street hockey leagues, picking good street skating spots, some of the distinctives about the Australian rollerblading scene, uh, past and present, and other things as well. I hope you really enjoy it. All right. You're just back from Bali, huh? Yeah, we got back, like, oh, I got back on Good Friday. Yep. And... What a, I mean, we were there for six days. We skated once, but we all took our skates, and it was uh, definitely worthwhile. Yep. And um, I took a took a car ride from the airport straight to work. My housemate picked me up, and his buddy, or our buddy, and uh, worked for eight hours, having slept for eight hours on the plane, so that was all good. And then, like, that night, just kicked it, and the next day worked, and then went straight to the NBL Grand Final, watched Melbourne beat Adelaide in the fifth and deciding game, and then... The next day had Puck Fest, which is our street hockey event that's like the culmination of the whole season. They have the semifinals, the grand final, a plastic stick match, which is like a wooden spoon match. And we bring we bring the box and have some brews and have a good time. It was cool. Sweet, man. So what was the Bali trip was in aid of um, our buddy Paulie's 30th, Paul Kreutzer, who's yeah. – um, he used to organise the Border Blade Down and stuff, and he's he's just a rad dude. Sweet. In the scene. And um, I didn't even know it was his 30th, and that's why we were going until <laughs> after I'd sort of booked in for it. <laughs> you were just up for it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, the whole crew's on board. All right, sweet. And then I jumped on board and a few more, and there was, like, 10 of us. It's going to be, like, 15 by the time I left. There was people coming and going towards the end. It was cool. Nice one. So tell like us about Mitchell the... Like, um, and a couple of the Queenslanders, like Gerard. Yeah, cool. cool. Awesome, man. Tell us about the street hockey stuff. So how long have you been doing that for, and what's the deal with that? How many people are involved? How many teams? Probably about a year. Like... Yeah. How many people started with, like, Tom Cameron and Paul Kreutzer saying, hey, let's play street hockey. I reckon this could be fun. There's a league, and it's super chill. There's only a few teams. And I was a bit cautious at first because I'm not into contact sports. I like playing basketball a lot, but I I didn't want to get hit by some dude. And they're like, no, no, it's not pads. It's not like that. I was like, sweet. So it could be just some nuffy that will crash into me still, and I don't want to – I like – Knowing that the handrails don't crash into me, I crash into them. <laughs> Whereas on the hockey rink, I wasn't so sure if I trusted the other people around me on the skates because if they were really amateur, yeah, I didn't want to. I don't know. I didn't want to just be bummed out at all. So because yeah. I wasn't getting bummed out by street skating, that was fun. Yeah. And so we gave it a try. I gave it a try. Um, a few games in, I was around and I was able to play, and it was actually pretty cool. And it was pretty simple, and we beat them. And then we just kept beating them all, all the other teams, because they were super chill. We lost in our first season of, you know, 15 games, which was ultimately the second season of the Melbourne League. Perth's got it going on, but the Melbourne scene's just starting up. Perth's got like 120-something teams. We've got like about 15. Yep. Um, 
But uh, in the first season, you know, there was about eight teams or so, ten. Yep. And uh, we lost two games in overtime. And that's it. We didn't lose any games that weren't in overtime. And oh, wow. that was pretty cool. And then we made it to the grand final. And then we were winning 6-3. And then the other team scored eight straight unanswered and flogged us 11-6. Well, not flogged, but it was still sick. Yeah. Like all the all the box skating and drinking during the day at the event sort of caught up to us, we reckon. And uh, <laughs> I was still pretty stoked on how the day went. It was a good yeah. time. And then this season, we lost one regular season game. And it was 11-14, to 14, super close. And the team that we lost to, we then beat in our preliminary final, which put us straight through to the semis. And in our semi-final, they were like so – and that was against this team called, called the Fitzroy Lions. And they're like – they're dudes playing in like footy jerseys and stuff. They're a bunch of funny dudes. They're rad guys. Yeah. And, um, and they're from the – a couple of them are from the Perth scene and they can play. Mm. And they really wanted to play us in the grand final. And then we're up against this team, the Fellowship of the Rink, that we beat in a regular season game that was phenomenally exciting. With 20 seconds to go, they'd put up put themselves up by one. Yep. And then we had Danny Hawkins filling in for Johnny Johnny Jensen. The brotherly love came through, and Danny put us up, uh, equalised with 20 seconds to go, or with 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 um, um, about four seconds to go, and then put us up by one in golden goal format. And then so we met them in our semi, and then they beat us. They were beating us 7-1 after the first period, which is the most losing margin we've ever had. He played and three then, periods like ice hockey? Yeah, three 15-minute yeah. periods. Yeah. No refs, no contact, no goaltending with your foot in this little D area they've got in front of goals. Mm. The goals are two milk crates wide, and that's the standard goal, two milk crates with the middle cut out, cable tied together. And so we were down 7-1, and then we came back to lose like 12-13 or 13-14 or something. Oh, wow, close. God. Yeah, it was, yeah, so it was well another done. epic performance to hang our hats mm. on. So we still uh, we still don't know how to lose by much. Yeah, man. <laughs> we wow. lose by so if people wanted to join, um, people who are based in Melbourne, how would they find out how to get plugged into this? Um, Melbourne, well, there's a, there's a Facebook group and a Facebook page, SRHL, Street Roller Hockey League, Melbourne. Yeah. And uh, take it from there. It's pretty simple, man. There's casual games all the time. These guys are super keen. Like, I played on my way home from work. I stopped in at the the school down the road where mm. they were shooting around on the basketball court, just pick-up games where you chuck your sticks in, divide the sticks into two piles, and then that's the teams. <laughs> and it's four on four. Perfect. And it was uh, chill. So it was like ten dudes down there. Just pulled up, had some tunes going. It was fun. And so, I mean, I'm guessing that separately from that, there'd also be like more kind of formalised sort of roller hockey stuff happening in kind of sort of rinks and all that kind of gear, yeah? Yeah. yeah. There's uh, there's ice hockey. Yeah. There's an ice hockey rink down here. Um, I think there's maybe one in Oakley still, but there's certainly I the ice hockey. I remember the one in Oakley when I lived in Melbourne. But I remember driving yeah. out there. I never really got into it there, big time because it was so far from where I lived. heritage listed. Yeah. It was yeah. It, southeast, man. That's where a lot yeah. of the... People were so, and I remember playing yeah. roller hockey at um, like was it the Fun Factory? Is that that place in? Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So now the Fun Factory, that location on the corner of Chapel and yeah, Turak, yeah. is now going to be the tallest building outside of the city. Yeah. Wow. Um, in Melbourne, and it's being put up by this dude who, um, he's the businessman responsible for the project. Is this is the businessman who owns the NBL, the, the huh. National Basketball League? He's a bit of an entrepreneur and a um, like the NBL is just a love job for him. 
yeah. not not to make money, just to make the sport great again. And uh, but he's in charge of some uh, big ass construction going on down the street. Yeah, how about that? Mm. Had you played hockey before, or ice hockey, or anything like that before, or was this like no, a man. new thing? Yeah. Aside from shooting around with some sticks for like a couple of weeks at a youth centre one summer when we were about bloody twelve. Because a lot of like the American bladers, that's where they start, right? Playing ice hockey and stuff. Because that's a big thing yeah. in certain parts and of America. Canadian, like we've got yeah. a Canadian chick on the team, and mm. and she she's great, Brooke. She's Rob Ham's housemate's partner, and she. She skates around, possibly in his razors, actually. Huh. Yeah, in, yeah okay, cool. in her partner's razors. Yeah. <laughs> so we all skate in our aggressive skates. Oh, right. us, some of us with like with like Andy um, Rocker and stuff like that. Or yeah, you... yeah. Some some Andy Rocker. Some <laughs> of us change our frames up. I yeah, changed yeah, my yeah. frames up and then decided I wanted to change back all right. to the surface. Um, yeah. At the at the event the other day, depends on what surface we're playing. If it's straight, then my aggressive skates are fine. If it's particularly smooth, then it actually is nice to have the big wheels. Mm. But the takeoff, the acceleration is slower. The yep. top end speed is higher, but yeah, yeah. and but I can stop on a dime a bit more in the pivot. in the big wheels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The grip. Cool. Well, let's talk aggressive stuff, man. I, I had an idea down yeah, to sort of touch on. You posted, I think it was like maybe even up on the Bayside website, like a, an article a while ago now about oh, picking. The blog. Log, yeah, yeah, picking, because yeah. you, you like skate for Bayside, is that right? Yep, yeah, yeah. been riding for them for ages now, um, nice. it just sort of came about naturally cool. some years ago, and um, as sort of Hayden, the Hayden Watts were phasing out, and they adjusted the team around, and I just won a ride to roll or something, and I was like, they were like, yep, sweet, that's, that's that, sort of getting you in on all the events that we're involved with, and... Just wrapping a T-shirt at the events as well. <laughs> Sweet, man. It's cool. Um, uh, and uh, and you're talking about picking street spots, and, and there's a whole bunch of cool bits of advice there. And, and so I thought maybe, we, you know, if you were happy to kind of go over some of that in this kind of podcast format and sort of give some hints and tips for people about what to look for and, and, and stuff in street spots. What's your advice? Um, well, it's not even tips and hints about what to look for. Like what what to look for versus what you can look for. It, it's yeah. What I, what every skater that I know reminisces about is how, like, this is the skaters that don't skate so much. They still see spots, and you'll never stop seeing spots, as they say. You'll be cruising down the highway, down the street, whatever you're doing, and you'll see this down rail or a bank or whatever, and you start picturing something in your head that could be done. And whether it's, oh, look, a perfect rail... I must tell my friends about that. Or, man, there's this trick that you could do here where it's like the spot is calling for a trick. It's not necessarily a sessionable spot, but it's it's doable if you had the means to put together the right combination, you know. Give us an example of that. What's an example where you go, there's something there you go, ah, oh, I can do that. I just want to go there, do that, and once I've got it clean, <laughs> I don't want to be there ever, ever again. Is there yeah, place? oh, man, okay, um... I was at a spot like yesterday, mm-hmm. yesterday, day before, oh man, day before yesterday, um, went to visit my mum after work and we went for a stroll just to keep her exercise up and went past this primary school that's right near where, where I grew up and I wanted to re-look at this spot that was... It's an old school, it's an old brick building and it has these two big high down 
ledges down a set of stairs. So it's a drop on either side of each side. The ledges are diamond. Yep. If you understand me, they're not round ledges. They're not angled like. It's like someone's kind of like cut off the corner. Is that kind of what you mean? Yeah, you could do a top sole or a shifty on them or whatever. Yep. It would be like a diamond. You'd be on top on the angle. If you had a square rail and turned it 45 degrees, that diamond um, angle. Yeah. If you know what I mean. So it's bloody high and there's rails next to it. And so you could jump on one rail and then hop to the other rail or hop up to the ledge on the other side. You could go between, like, I was picturing pictures of Don Bambrick in my head from the intro and bang. Yeah. Like, he, um, yeah, there, there's some stuff to do. Or you could go on the rail and jump and roll on the side of said diamond ledge. And so there's a combination of things you could do. Yep. Some people would be happy not to go near it. Some people would be happy to hit something on it. Some people would be happy to hit a combo. And some people would be happy to hit numerous tricks on it. Yep. So some people would session it and some people wouldn't even be inspired because it's got too much going on with it and they'd rather skate the perfect spot. Yep. So as far as what to look for, you just look and you'll see what you see. And if you don't see anything, then that's okay. You're not going to skate that. But if you look at something and you see something, then uh, then that's what you see. And yeah, yeah. there is no rights and wrongs. It's just it's a natural that's why I guess they say it's an art form because it's expression. Like it's what it's conceptual. What you think isn't what someone else thinks, and that doesn't mean one person's right or wrong. Some person says, "I like the way that guy skates." Another person says, "That guy has terrible style." What are you talking about? <laughs> then they can have a discussion. They could possibly debate, a, you know, an ideal, but they can't have an argument because there is no right and wrong. Yeah, yeah. There's um in the um. In the little blog post you put up there, there's there's a I mean two two sides of it here. On the one hand, you post that awesome um, uh, Trent Phillips Farfanugan, where he's kind of on that big fat rail thing, and then has mm. to jump over the kind of locked barrier and and man, that was a spot that was calling for a trick. Yeah, and I've wanted to go there, but the trick I wanted to do wasn't that. Mm. But I, so I still might go and do my trick, but I just wanted to jump off over one of the barriers to the road because that's what I typically would do. Mm. So there's that kind of thing, right, where you've got, got that. there's a series of difficulties there that makes it a trick that you've got to think about even how you film it, don't you? So it's not just about the trick, but you kind of go, that's crying out for filming from several angles so people can see what's happening almost, which, which again... It, just, it, yeah. it looks good. It looks like a good... Like the stage is set. It's a good... Yeah. It's like a, they've got a big film set on the stage and they're ready to film this... this trick go down and you've got i mean i've seen that i mean i think in the in the edit he did like you could get it from the multiple angles as well which is cool because you then then you see what it's like kind of multiple angle yeah 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 um but then on the other hand you got to do it justice totally and you got to help people see what the challenges are what the jump is what the distance is. you have to show how big you have to show and like that's where even clips of the person standing next to the spot sussing it out or waxing or whatever see the cracks in the pavement and all these sorts of things that are all part of the yeah but then you also mentioned in that article, you've got some there which are examples of places that, um, that you know, you mentioned kind of like the perfect ledge, right? So maybe let's just do that super quick. So what are some of the things that, you know, if you were like for that intermediate kind of skater, 
you know, you mentioned things like smooth run-up, smooth landing. What kind of height do you reckon is the kind of the ideal height for that kind of an intermediate sessioning ledge? What What do you like? An, an intermediate session yeah, would be yeah. about. I'm looking out the window of my bedroom at the fun box, the coping box that John Claude White built for the backyard, mm-hmm. and it's like a foot a foot tall. Yep. And or maybe maybe it's forty. I've got a P rail that's 30 centimetres tall. I think the box is probably about 40 and 40 wide. That's probably ideal intermediate. Maybe if you might go to 50. And then if you want to go above 50, you're looking at more like expert, where if you were sessioning that and getting a whole bunch of tricks on the higher ledge, then that means you're a pretty good skater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, cool. If so you were just starting out, you might learn on the bottom step of your local set of stairs, which is what me and my buddies did. It was the lowest of the low ledge, but then the ideal ledge for the intermediate would definitely be higher because because some stuff locking stuff top salts are easy to be a little jumping up a little bit higher, eh? Like you know, for sure, yeah. yeah. Um, and sure. then on the other hand, you've got a picture here, this lovely um, back savanna with with Trent again, <laughs> um, your poster boy, um, and he's um, uh, the grass. Hey, he's the poster boy. He won the uh, Aussie titles uh, unsponsored. Yeah, so 2016 or something. Eh? He was he was destined to be on the poster, but we kind of. Golder shot through a photo and it already made the poster. Yeah, like yeah. someone already made the poster, but yeah, Trent was going to be the poster boy. Maybe it's his turn next time. Let's see. Oh man, yeah, he's got a great, great um, sort of classic sort of style to him, doesn't it? The way it does stuff. Um, but this one, this picture, this is the down rail I'm looking at. It's um, it's the grass on the one side, and and you even make that comment that it's um, grass on one side to take the edge off your fears. <laughs> yeah, man, <laughs> and, and that's a really that cool guy. thing as well, right? To sort of go like, if you're wanting to learn down rails. Um, and you're looking at a rail with, you know, like in the middle of a flight of stairs where it stairs on both sides. There's mind game things that, that mess with you. Whereas if you're going like, I can always just jump off onto some nice cushy grass. That, that's a nice little thing to kind of be alert to, eh? There's definitely more sessions to go out down on those rails. More people are willing to skate them and skate them more and do more than one trick. Yeah. But, you know, Trent would that, – that back Nugan that Trent did, some people would not – touch that spot mm. now there's been plenty of stuff that i do the trend is like man i'm not skating that that's crazy mm. there's like too much going wrong with that spot <laughs> and he would rather skate the perfect spot but then he'll come out and do a, something like that back nugan where you have to pop over the, yeah. the guardrail and and it's a sketchy run oh man what a legend but oh, a so legend. yeah some yeah he does like some cups of tea but not others not everything is his cup of tea yeah yep, yep. Um, I had here um, the question, which I'm, I'm wanting to do, especially when we do podcasts with Aussie bladers, because there are obviously there are podcasts now popping up elsewhere, but at the moment, Mad Beef's the mm. only Aussie one. And so I thought it'd be helpful both for Aussies, um, you know, the old school as well as the new school skaters to hear. But I, I mean, I hopefully elsewhere in the world, people who listen can also, you know, so I want to ask people like you, what are some of the things people need to get about the Australian blading scene, either where it is now or where it's come from? What, what are your thoughts about what people need to get about Australian blading is? What would you say? Well, for what people, like Australians that don't blade or foreigners that do? Uh, look, uh, any, any, I mean, like uh, uh, what newer skaters that don't know the history here, older skaters okay. that like hearing it told, but also maybe Americans who, who like only know like one name <laughs> or something like that, yeah. you, know I mean? you know, any of those things, just, just anything you, that comes to mind. I don't really care. It's just a kind of open-ended question, I guess. Yeah, cool. I'd say like in the history of the world of rollerblading, Australians were right there um, in amongst 
the top tier of <clears throat> people on the competition circuit, um, revered and progressive brands and technology. And um, as a destination, it was always from the 90s, uh, a postcard that people wanted to to visit. Um, it We had a good reputation as a nice bunch and um, a couple of significantly progressive skaters like Tim Ward, Tom Fry, um, you know, some big names like Sesamora was the guy that did the biggest backflips, yeah. you know. And so we were on the map as isolated as we were. And, um, <clears throat> well, Manuel as well won a series of comps Ma- for you know, years. Manuel had he? the 720s, man. Yeah. People still talk about Manuel's 720s. Yeah. Significant people, yeah. significant co- events being taken out on the regular. And with Cosmo um, as well, I guess, significant technology exactly. as well. Cosmo, crank straps. Yep. Like, crank straps, yes. Crank straps, man. Yeah. For sure. Yep. They sent Dion to his first US event. It was their, their sponsorship dollars. It was the, they paid for Harvey's ticket or something like that. And that was the beginning of that guy's career. <clears throat> yeah, awesome. You know, he still goes down as one of the most stylish of all time. Changed the Cesslide game in the, in the 90s and, you know, was the bloody world champion. He was the highest ranked on the world tour. And that was, he was the next generation yeah. of like Sincessa and Manuel and whatnot. Then there was Josh and Dion and Toby Heslop and those guys that run the competition circus, Josh Pinkers. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And, and about, Ian Smith was there, you know, yeah, boy. Oh yeah. boy. That's it. Um, and, and about now, what are, what are some of your reads about what where where Australian blading is at nowadays? So, I mean, obviously, a smaller world than it was back in the heyday, but yeah, but a more connected in real time world, um, and more interactive. Mm-hmm. And um, CJ happened, and Ryan. Yeah. You know, I remember getting to Pranscape Park and hearing that Ryan Arnold had just won like the best trick event at. Ho- the hoedown or something, yeah. And CJ went over there and just conquered. And um, well, Gav as well this year with um, yeah, when, last year with the when thing Gav, over, yeah, yeah. When every time Gav's gone there, he's he's done something special. Yep. Um, Robbie's over there doing something special. Hayden went over there and did something rad. It didn't even all come about. There was a section that he filmed that never came out. But um, you know, there was. There was a bit of a break after Blake Dennis, yeah. I feel like, and then Hayden was getting his mug in the mind game videos, and um, yeah, then CJ happened, and Vine Street, man, then Vine Street happened, and people wanted to visit Australia more than ever. Yeah, like the current the current generation of foreigners that were interested in traveling the world with their skates. Australia definitely popped up as a place to check out. Speaking of that and, spots, man, that, I mean, the spots in that, like that one where there's like the, um, it's like down by the water and they're grinding the kind of the gap in like the dock or something. I'm not sure if you can remember that bit. There's like this, maybe in Vine Street. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Across the, yeah, the water gap. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But there's so many spots in that, like because of the crazy, pokey Sydney streets and, you know, you kind of go, gosh, you fail that trick or don't get it quite right. You're rolling down the hill for... 20 metres, you've got to walk back up the hill to do the trick They session it. They oh, session my goodness. Spot. Yeah, incredible. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, that's 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 art form, that, that movie, isn't it? That's a whole other thing. Yeah. It is, and it, it showed some personality and gave us a good vibe yeah. as far as they come to Australia and have a session with the boys and the girls. It, it was definitely, yeah. um, 
it did us a lot of favours, and I think Australia's scene has uh, Tom West to thank in, in a lot of ways in that sense. Um, we've had some momentum of foreigners coming over, even competing at our events and having a big impact. Yeah. Um, on the on the score sheet, it's uh, every summer there's a, a new bunch. It's pretty cool. Yeah, man, it's great. Awesome. But I mean, guys like Gav and and CJ, just being over there. Yep. Um, making contacts, you know, and then they come over here and visit and hang out, and uh, and everyone gets to skate with them, and that's what it's all about. Everyone wants to just go and skate together. <coughs> people from over here, uh, sorry, people from from foreign lands want to come over here and skate with the homies. Yeah. And uh, you just got to make sure you have a regular session for them to skate in, and it happens. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I had just one other question, and then you can say anything else you want to add, man. And that was just um, mm. just to uh, – you you skate razors at the moment, is that right? I'm skating in shifts. Yeah. And they're doing me well. So I'm keen to hear your thoughts about all that because the thing that made me laugh when I did a really quick little interview with Trent Phillips was um, – uh, you know, I said, oh, what do you skate? What have you skated? <laughs> and, and, he, and, and he goes, oh, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> you know, Genesis, SL, Cole, whatever. You know, it's all just, just you know, <laughs> it was just such a funny answer. It's like, yeah, maybe it doesn't matter for you, whatever. But um, uh, what, what are your well, thoughts? That guy changes his skates up pretty often. You don't even notice that yeah. he's skating in something new. And then you're like, hang on. Yeah. You weren't wearing them last Wednesday. <laughs> so, so talk to us about what's your take on the, the Razor's aggressive line. You know, your, your Cole, your Genesis, your Cream, your SL, your now your, your Shift. What are your thoughts across all that experience? What Which ones do you like? You know, I never you, did. Yeah. I never, well, I, I kind of put it all in this um, article I wrote for Bayside. I did like a proper review of it all. But I basically never skated Gens or Cults. I only ever skated SLs. When the SLs first came on the scene, I yep. inherited Hayden Watts' old pair. And then, like... Went in right to roll and won. Yeah. And I was like, sweet, these are working out. Didn't do any boot tricks that day, mostly just soul tricks. But uh, then I worked out the boot tricks and got my backslides back yep. because I'd come out of skating in K2s for many years and K2s had some pretty sweet backslides going on. Mm. And so just SLs, 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 man. Like, I can't even speak for other skates like USDs and Solomons and Shadows and. Like I, I know what M12s felt like in the '90s, so they had three pairs. Yeah. But uh, I never skated Valos. I just had skates that worked, that had always had um, replacement parts that didn't even need replacing very often. Yeah. That were simple, solid, in the right colorway, and um, and then shifts came along, and it was like. And you're now saying they're better than SLs, eh? Yeah, we've improved stuff and made them more technologically events where you can snap the bottoms off and on and change your frames. So I started thinking, that sounds interesting, let's give it a go. They skated better in my backyard on the box, and I was like, sweet, this is fun. And then they skated better at Paran, and then they skated better on street. And then I just thought, I'd be foolish not to try this whole like bigger bigger wheels on the hockey rink, let's try it. Mm. Did that, and it seemed to be, yeah, pretty cruisy. And enjoyed it, and that's what I do now. So having said that, I changed them, my wheels back to my aggressive skates between periods during our semi-final because uh, the the wheels I was rocking with were super rocked, and because uh, I hadn't rotated them properly, and um, the takeoff 
just slower on the takeoff. Our advantage as aggressive skaters on those hockey rinks, on those street hockey courts, wherever we're playing in a fucking car park or on a basketball court somewhere, which is where we play, um, we get we get faster acceleration than half those dudes in their hockey skates, and they got like hockey jerseys and know what they're doing. We don't even know what we're doing when we're taping our sticks. Like I've had to teach the boys a thing or two, and then I, never, I wasn't even putting hockey around my, my tape around my blade, like the the blade of my stick. We're just novices, man. We're noobs, but we're still holding it down because we can skate. Yep. We're good skate. Like, we, yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Can't even do hockey stops. We could do set slides. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, uh, people are saying, and you're saying as well, that the, the shift is, even though aside <coughs> from the snapping on and off, like even if that wasn't a feature and even if you were still pulling out the yeah. Allen key and doing a sort of normal sort of change, yeah, they, they were they're still better, a man. really, you're really happy with the skate as a the skate, slide. right? The sole slides good. Yeah. The the groove in the backside plate's good, and they're just they're responsive and no heavier. They possibly feel lighter. I don't know. They look cool. They, yep. When you're looking at your feet, they look the way you wish they did, which is simple, elegant, black. Yeah. For me, it's like white skates are rad, but they don't skate white very well, very long. So I was rolling with black skates for a long time towards the end there, and then shifts. In the back, look pretty fresh. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't need, I guess it's like, so the trick is the painting and the skates are the frame that, are, that the painting's in. And I don't need some fancy frame to border my paint, like, to when I see someone's trick, to border their trick, I don't need some crazy ass, like, wood, carved wood. Just show me some black and white skates. And I can see your trick properly. It doesn't have to be purple and gold. It just has to look simple and elegant. Like black on black is cool. White on black, you can see a little bit more definition. And when I look down at my feet, I like to be able to see what's going on. So the laces in my skates are white on black. And it's as much for function as it is fashion. It's probably more for function than fashion because if it, actually, if it was really functional, no, no, I was going to say I'd keep them black so they doesn't matter if they get dirty, but I like to be able to see where my feet are at. Yeah. And I don't, yeah, but I don't like. I don't know. It's funny. I don't need to see people dressed up all crazy. Just jeans and a t-shirt. But if mm. they can, if they want to doll it up, that's cool. And the same goes for their skates. But yep. um, I, I do like a simple, effective look about a, a skate. Shadows, man. Don't get me wrong. The Shadow Team video was sick, and I really like the creativity that come through with all the people that seem to run on Shadows, or at least did. But I've yet to make see many people make those skates look as good as what I'm mentally trained to thinking looks good, and that is the typical Roche's boot or every other version of that, which includes the shape of the shift and the shape of the cult and the shape of the SL. The Genesis looked a bit bulky, but the shape of the shift, it, it's pretty good form and hugs the foot well. And what else can I say? I've shifted. There you shift. go, man. <laughs> You've shifted. Having said that, um, do keep your bolts in your boots if you're skating street because they've shifted on me once or twice when I didn't. So, yeah, put those bolts in your sole plates. On the new Shift 2s, I think they've got bolts on both sides of yeah. the of the sole plate. Well, they do. No, I think I know. Yeah. So yeah, it's good, man. 
Sounds good. That's, that's all I got. Anything you want to add, or shout outs, or final comp words before we wrap it up? Uh, I don't know. Like, what's been going on with you guys? Like, you got is there skating in Hobart? I see there's a a Tassie OG Facebook group popped up, and there's I think a different group cover photo every other week. Yeah, it's good. Where there's some um, dude Lance up north has has really kind of put in a bit of fresh bit of energy to it. There was there was guys who were doing sessions, or you know, through other groups in the past, and and that kind of had dried up a bit, I think, and. You know, just life gets busy, I guess, and people are off mm. doing other things. And so, so th- at the moment, just crazily, and sort of like Tasmania is basically three population centres: Hobart, Launceston, and the northwest coast. There's a bunch of small cities up there, and it seems those guys up in the northwest are really, you know, sessioning together, and they're putting the energy into that Tassie OG Eating. page and, and giving some energy to it, which is really great. Because down here in Hobart, there's not really a, a scene that people that regularly regularly session together there's people who are out skating bits and pieces occasionally cross paths and do stuff but it's not not like a big scene and, and I, i'm you know i'm kind of limited in how much i can commit to regular sessions because i've got sort of work and young kids and whatever else so mm-hmm. i'll sort of more do solo sessions but it, it is nice to it's it's different when you skate with others you learn things and you get pushed and and it's just you just get to catch up with people who share share an interest you love but um well we I, had like six of us out there for that day i was down there um, yeah. over the summer at that yeah. new park can't even remember what it's called but Rosny. it was awesome yeah that's it big bowl yeah yeah sick yeah sick. that's very fun that's a sessionable park man so much yeah. you could pull around on. it's a bit annoying the way it's kind of set up with the tiers like that you can occasionally get like particularly BMXs and sometimes scooters just going back and forth back and forth back and forth on one level and basically mm-hmm. lock up the whole you know that, that whole section so it's a, a it's a strange design in that, like the flow you know how there are some parks where there can be people doing several different flows through it at the same time. It's quite yeah. hard to kind of clog up, whereas that park sometimes, depending on who's easily. there, it can clog quite easy. All you need is like three guys on BMXs and basically then a whole area is just it's gone. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so that's that's a little bit frustrating about it, but there's enough things there that you can happily just do an, an obstacle and just session an obstacle and have a real But good that's time. it. Yeah. I, was, I noticed that if you decided you didn't want to hit the obstacle you're going to, there's another one right after that and another one after that and another one after yeah, that, yeah. all on the same sort of level. A really so fun if someone thing snakes that... you, you could just take the second option or the third. Yeah, that's right. A really fun thing that's happened, there's a big group of, um, like there's a, a dad of a couple of daughters who's kicked off this massive kind of movement of um, uh, girl skateboarders um, yep. who've become really competent in like in skating that big vert bowl. So they're, they're, they've got real style and real ability. And so that, that's quite fun. I'll often end up, you know, you'll be there at that, that vert bowl skating with a couple of really old skateboarders, a um, uh, couple of really, you know, like teenage girls, and then, then me on the blades while all the scooter kids and BMXs are down in the street session. And so that's quite nice when you kind of have this cross-discipline kind of interaction yeah. and cheering each other There's on. There's always been... The most varied age groups at the vert ramp. You got the groms and the old men and everything in between. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's pretty fun. But yeah, the hope with the Tassie OG group is to get everybody out sessioning. You know, one of the parks somewhere in Tassie every so often. So there's one that's lined up soon that I've got. I can't go to, but I think people are pretty keen for that. Pretty keen to at least a few times a year. Just name a park, some random place, and make it a road trip. All go there, make a day of it, and I think that's. That's a cool way to do the regional scene, you know, if, if people are a bit distributed and, and can't kind of easily get to a park because it's like, like the population you've got in Melbourne is very different. You're like, we're 500,000 in the whole state, do you know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, uh, and so I like that idea of a few times a year everyone converges and then 
then shreds as a group and they get to see each other's progress in the meantime over the photos and videos that get chucked up on the Facebook page, which is... If you have it at the right venue, at the right time of year with enough heads up, yeah. um, if you can get it at a place that all the Tassie dudes would commit to, so you've got a guaranteed, like, core of 20 people, then you can sell it as an idea to the people on the mainland, which is what we did with the Brunswick Heads Blade Battle. The Brunswick Blade Battle was, it, it was bloody regional and it's not a big park, but that park has a good bowl and a course that's not large, but filled with stuff that good tricks can go down on. It's got a, a long and down rail. It's got down ledges and some other stuff that is just enough that you can have a legitimate good event. And if you build it, they will come, people came. Yeah, and it got awesome. bloody rained out, but we're still going to go back. Awesome. Like, people came from north and south. People didn't even come from Sydney, but they still had enough people for an event. So if you can rally the troops with enough heads up and sell it as check out this park, it's worth traveling to. Logistically speaking, it's possible <coughs> there'll be an after-party session at the pub, whatever, then people would be down. Yeah. So, yeah, <coughs> stay tuned. Maybe that will happen in the next little while. And... Um... And the other thing I'm, I'm trying to fry the, fly the flag of as, as the typical OG is just trying to make encourage people who've never really thought about skating transitions much to try and do that and not not limit this. I mean, like street skating, obviously, there's so much to it. It's not limited. But, um, uh, you know, what's great... Less with, inviting. Yeah, yeah. I guess you just... You know, I, I, I want people to see and appreciate... And I want skaters, new skateboarders as well. I mean, I don't want people to shut out vert and go, you know, and, and transitions and go, oh, that's not, that's the past or something. It's just, mm. it's just an aspect of all these, <coughs> all these aggressive and freestyle sports that, oh yeah, that you it's don't. In the Olympics, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so that's that's the other thing. I'm just always trying to fly the flag, fly the flag. And even though I'm not great at it, I still want to go. You know, there's stuff that we can do, and pretty, our sport in particular is pretty well set up to do some pretty awesome stuff on transitions so um oh yeah. man have you yeah. seen what the dudes have been doing at the mega ranch with nick petropolis yeah no <laughs> yeah it's wild eh? yeah it's yeah yeah it's seriously wild and they've just finished building an extension like or a bigger launch like yeah. a longer launch yeah and when you see what the dudes like the dude who has the place his son on his skateboard yeah. goes higher than what I've seen Nick going on his blades. Yeah. <coughs> Probably home court advantage. And yeah. then you see Ryan Williams, scooter extraordinaire, jump on the BMX and do the biggest flare Australia's ever seen. I oh, know. Yeah. Um, it's, it, it's got massive potential, and I'd be interested to see a dude like CJ get on there. Well, this is the cool thing. I mean, CJ's good because he is, um, obviously kills it on street, but, but has that thing of going, like, you can do both. You don't have to define yourself as one or the other. Do you know what I mean? You, mm. you can just, you do what you prefer, and that's there's no rules about what you have to do, but it's cool yeah, to have people. happy did. Yeah, it's cool to have people modelling and going, you can do both. Both are worth thinking about and having fun on and exploring and all that kind of stuff. And, um, yeah, so it's good. It hasn't been explored much in a long time, I feel like. Yeah. Brad Watson did some exploring. He took... Bird skating to the streets, took his transition skating to the streets and skated trend, like skated the vert ramp in an unconventional way compared to the typical styles that were going down on vert, um, you know, towards the end of the 2010s. Mm. Um, 
but uh, it hasn't been explored by many other people in a while, I feel like. Yeah, stay tuned, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Cool, yeah, man. we'll see gonna, what this Mega Ranch provides. Yeah, we'll see. Like I'm going to sign off now, Chris. It's been really good, man, chatting. Beep. And um, I'll get this up sometime over the weekend and we can um, share it around. Eh? And I'll, I'll link to some of these blog posts on the Bayside and link to the um, Facebook for the um, SRHL as well so that some of those things yeah, can, dude. people can check like those out as well. a group and a page for the SRH uh, Street Roller Hockey League Melbourne. Yeah. And um, But they're both worth tapping into. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, I'll link to that stuff and we'll be in touch, man. Hopefully we'll get to roll together sometime soon. Hell yeah, dude. All right, keep going. Take care. Mad Beef Rollerblading Podcast is produced by Mikey Lynch. Theme music by Edifice Architect. You can subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes and Stitcher and get in touch with us on our Facebook page. Mad Beef is supported by Skater HQ. You can find them online at skaterhq.com.au. We're also supported by our growing number of Patreon patrons. To support the podcast, find us on Patreon. Even just $2 a month, every little bit helps.